0: To overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity.
1: I want to break free.
0: Okay, everybody, welcome to episode number 35 of the Overcoming Adversity podcast, where we discuss all things overcoming adversity. I'm one of the hosts, Blake Cohen, and I'm here with Amanda Marino.
2: Hello, Blake. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon to you. How's it going today? Grateful to
2: be here. Grateful to be here for episode 35. You know, I'm I'm proud of our consistency here, two in a row. I'm liking it.
0: I don't know why I feel like 35 is a milestone, but it's may not be but it just sort of feels like it it is because it seems like a good number
2: yeah and it's taken us like three years to get to 35 so it's definitely a milestone
0: i think 35 is how old i am i'm not 100 percent sure today you have to just double check that yeah. and just for you yeah.
2: listeners to know the net the overcoming adversity podcast is brought to you by next level recovery associates um Blake and I's company, and it's NextLevelRA.com. Check us out.
0: Yeah, so we have a cool guest today. Um, Amanda, I know you wanted to introduce him because he's a friend of both of ours, and uh, we're all very close to this man who brings a lot of joy to our heart, but Amanda, I'm going to go ahead and let you bring him on in.
2: Yeah, so we're really excited today to have Chris Martinez on the podcast. Chris is a real dude, a great man in recovery, an awesome dad, um, a trauma therapist, a, you know, program owner, he works hard on himself. He's has a heart of gold, and you know, his smile and laughter and loud happiness (laughs) are contagious. And, um, I just love being around Chris and his energy. Um, and we're really excited to have you here today, Chris.
1: Thanks, Amanda. Blake, super excited to share some space and time with you and participate in uh, in this, this dope podcast you guys have going.
2: Thank you, know you so much you, again for being here.
0: You know who you remind me of, and not you don't look like him, but you sort of have the same energy and laugh and like bring me the same sense of joy is do you know Bert Chrysler, the comedian? Chrysler.
1: Chrysler doesn't doesn't ring a bell, but I feel like I'll have to uh, YouTube him after this.
0: So it's he's the comedian that always has his shirt off on stage. (laughs) Not that you always have your shirt off.
1: I I can make that work. I can make that work. Do it. It would be super inappropriate
0: considering you work with uh, adolescents. It might not be a good idea, but. So
1: in the workplace, maybe not so much, but off the clock, that could be like my uh, my new my new hobby your new thing
2: your like signature move
0: (laughs) I love that I love that for you (laughs) love it
2: so Chris tell us a little bit uh, just about yourself and like you know your adversity and we'd love to hear and learn more about
1: yeah um well uh um it's almost like I don't you know know really where to start uh I'd say just kind of like who I am today. You did a really awesome job in the tee up. Like I, I pride myself uh, on on family, um, on my my children, the father that I get to be. Um, definitely like my life's work, um, and working with adolescents and, um, and and young
2: adults, and young adults,
1: and young adults indeed. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and it was a really long road to kind of discover, um, who I am and who I want to be and accessing, um, some vision for my future and my life and the path to get there. Um, you know, the name of my business is resilience recovery and that, uh, that, that term resilience, I think um, in a lot of ways can really embody, uh, embody what this, the commitment, dedication to this podcast is all about overcoming adversity. Um, Uh, I I like to define resilience as the, uh, the ability to bounce back from adverse situations. Yes. Um, so So certainly like, I mean, I get to do a ton of it professionally and guiding my clients and my staff um, in navigating our clients and their families um, through the adversities, uh, 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 supporting them and establishing more um, uh, uh, ability to be resilient. And uh, and certainly in order to get there, it's kind of that uh, age old saying, um, you can only take someone as far as you've gone. Um, and so having, you know, endured and, uh, been able to, um, utilize resilience in my own life has been a huge part of my story, um, which I hold, um, in the work that I do professionally and personally. So.
2: Love that. I love that. And I, I think like, you know, you said like figuring out who you are like do you do you see that as a, a process like do you think you know who you are or do you think you're still figuring it out as you go because like i i at 41 feel like i have an idea and i know who i am but it con- continually evolves and changes and shifts and grows it's such
1: like a journey a, such a cool question yeah i mean uh you know uh connecting to uh, uh growth and possibility and Uh, Not being complacent, I think, is uh, part of that discovery process. Um, For me, I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, I I have, I I found a purpose. I found um, meaning. I found direction. And so when I say, like, that I've discovered who I am, I think it's that I've really, like, uh, reinforced and um, found, like, a really good baseline. And from that baseline, all kinds of new cool changes available, right? Like, cause we're, we're, we don't, change is inevitable. So, but my baseline gets to be consistent. So
2: I love that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is great to have like, you know, to figure out your passion and purpose, but then to like be open to continue to shift and grow and evolve, you know?
1: Totally, totally.
2: So what is the adversity that you would like to discuss today? Like what's on your heart? What is the thing that comes up? You know, I I love that what you brought talked about resiliency and and how that has so much to do with with life, Um, but just would love to, you know, hear what you have thought about with sharing us, sharing with us today.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, that's great. That's great. And I think, uh, you know, if I were to, to kind of pick like one direction, uh, the thought that comes up for me is, uh, you know, essentially how, uh, um, uh, you know, I've utilized, um, relational adversity, um, throughout a lifetime to forge, uh, to forge healthier relationships around me, um, uh, and cultivating, uh, uh, and, um, and creating healthier relationships with people like who have been there from the beginning. So like everything like family and friends and um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the direction that I, that I, that I see possible.
2: So what, what did it look like for you? How did that start? Like before it was to the place that it is. like, what was it like?
1: Yeah. Um. I think when we get on the subject of family, that's always like a really cool uh, discovery process because everyone's family system is different. But there's always like such a deep attachment to our caregivers, to our environment, to our siblings. And for me, it was like you know, I uh, I had I had a, I had a pretty cool childhood. Uh, I'm like one of four children. And, um, you know, I experienced a loss when I was, a, an early teen, uh, from one of my caregivers, my father passed away from cancer when I was 13 years old and that's young. Uh, that's young. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very formative age too. And it's interesting that I've, you know, shifted my work into, you know, young adults and, and adolescents. Cause I think so much of what we see in uh, adolescents and young adults is really uh, uh, directly connected to uh, those formative teenage years, uh, the early developmental years. Um, And so when I look at my own story, you know, like, wow, like, to me, it was like, just this, like, this, this great loss. um, And my response to loss was like, uh, uh, a lot of like, a lot of like, pushing away, a lot of like, pushing people away. Um and I got yeah. really, really familiar with um not letting people get close.
2: Yeah, protecting yourself. That makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. you're protecting.
0: Were you aware when you were that age doing that and how you developed those? I mean, were you aware that you're pushing people away? Were you aware that you like the extended effects of, of the past your father's passing? Were affecting um, you in this way, or at the time you just felt this inner anger uh, or inner distance, and you just didn't want to be around people, but you had no idea why.
1: Great question, and you used a great word right there the the inner anger. Uh, I think like it it was like it was like impossible for me at the time. Um, and maybe this was like some of the developmental trauma process for me to really connect to how my behaviors were, um, um, how my behaviors were being received. Like I couldn't actually see it, but that piece with anger is one thing that I would totally connect to because I totally had like a two middle fingers up. Like, you know, I'm like a big, you know, Tupac Shakur fan. And it was like, you know, F the world. Uh, it's just me against. The I worked world.
2: out. Hold on, I worked out in my Tupac shirt this morning. Just saying.
1: Let's go. Let's yeah, so go. makes me
2: feel like a badass. But yeah, <laughs> f the world. I, I, I everything's against me. Yeah, I had that mentality as a teenager. I get totally. it totally.
1: <laughs> so, so I like connected to that. Like it became like a belief system, like that, like f the world, like you know, me against the world. Uh, really became like a belief system and kind of like a code that I lived by, and so. I didn't view it as I was pushing people away, but certainly like in hindsight and like looking back, like that's what I was doing. I was really trying to protect myself from being hurt in that way. Um, And, you know, it made sense that a lot of like the relationships and the relations that I um, developed and that I, you know, pushed away from um, all became very transactional you know, it all became very like, uh, how has it served me in this moment? Um, what's yeah. in it for me? Very self-centered stuff. Right.
2: Yeah. So whatever then, uh, you could take and whatever, you know, you could, you could give, but that was it.
1: Totally. So Pretty
0: then as excited. you developed, I know, as you developed into adulthood, what did this turn into and, and how did it progress as you got older?
1: Oh man. Um, you know, I got sober at 28 years old and, um, I think you know, for all intent and purpose, like uh at that time in my life, it was like if you look back at kind of like the 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 devastation of the path from the time I was, I took on that embodied that mentality um uh, and ran with it, you know, my substance use was out of control um uh, a lot of like uh consequences and circumstances that arised out of that um, The devastation was, and really what I said I want to bring is about this whole like relational piece, man. Like it was just like uh, uh, about a dozen year, I'm best at the time, maybe 15 year timeline of like lost relationships, pushing people away. Um, Seeing uh, people who really genuinely cared about me and wanted the best for me um, at a certain point have to foreclose on our relationship. Um, probably long after they should, based off of all the ways that I was showing up. Um, How did
2: that start to affect you, Chris? How did you start to notice it and feel it and identify with it?
1: Oh, I mean, uh, I think like when I was like newly sober, like I distinctly remember feeling like feeling like uh, this sense of anxiety And I, I started to like attach to this idea without a doctor, of course, this is just my own self, uh, my self-diagnosis was like, oh my God, I have clinical anxiety. And really like uh, uh, what I can see now is that it was just this emptiness, you know, I felt like my world had like closed in on me, that things had gotten so small. There was a lot of shame and guilt connected to like the loss and it's, Interesting because at a certain point, I went from using like the loss of my father as a reason for all this behavioral and um behavioral and emotional disruptance to just like owning it and saying, Well, like that's the way it is, and this is who I am. Um, mm-hmm. and that's maybe part of the finding myself, right, Amanda? Um, yeah, uh, and so, like, you know, cool like good news is that I found out, you know, that I don't have clinical anxiety that I was really just like pretty internally broken from a a long history of like lost relationships.
2: So this discovery, I just want to clarify, was this discovery while you were sober in recovery or is this prior?
1: I mean, this has been a, a a discovery process for me over the last decade that I've, (laughs) that I've been in recovery Uh, when I was newly sober um, it started to like kind of like identify it, it, it kind of started to like crop up in in tangible ways that I could see it you know um, and that was mm-hmm. you know I attribute a lot of that to just like kind of the like the the simple tools that were like available to me um, when I did jump on the the recovery wagon. so so Chris okay. can I ask you,
0: I kind of want to jump in and ask a question because I'm, I'm curious and maybe our one listener would want to know this as well. What does, how does that loss uh, or the the habit to continue to lose relationships develop? And is that something that started because you lost one of the most major relationships in your life to, to cancer? So as you've gone on, it's you sort of just repeatedly tortured yourself because you never actually dealt and grieved that loss. So it becomes almost habitual that you unintentionally keep repeating, uh, pushing people out of your life, although they may not be passing away, you're, you're ending and losing and grieving relationships constantly. Does that make any sense? No,
1: no, it makes it makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, I, I and I don't know how in a concise way to respond to that. I think that you're hitting a lot of really big uh, therapeutic points right there. Um, absolutely. I mean, like, so like, uh, I referenced this like, uh, developmental trauma process. Right. And I think that for me, um, it was certainly, I learned how to foreclose on myself in order to keep relationships at bay. Um, and the purpose of that was to keep me safe from being let down. Um, uh, cause as a teenager, I was, uh, I was devastated. I lost my hero. Um, and I certainly wasn't going to, if I could do anything about it, I wasn't going to let that happen again. Um, and so absolutely, it became a pattern. It, it absolutely became a pattern. It became a pattern um, intimately in relationships with, uh, with women over the years. Um, it really played out in my family dynamic, Blake, um, where like the people who I loved the most. I couldn't allow myself to open up to trust um, There was this whole trust dynamic. Um, and I yeah. gave them all the reasons in the world not to trust me either. Uh, very interesting.
0: So let me ask you this then. Oh, go ahead, Amanda.
2: No, i was saying that was also another protective mechanism like that, giving them all the reasons not to trust you, right? So that's also a way of protecting yourself, I see.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I'm,
0: I'm so hurt by this, so I'm not going to let anybody get close to me, but I'm also not going to ever want to inflict this type of harm on anybody. So I'm keeping them even further at arm's length because I don't want them to experience the type of loss that I've experienced.
1: There's that that whole mantra, like I'm not hurting anyone else, I'm just hurting myself.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: which is a very defeating mantra and just not true it's
2: bullshit uh, yeah it's, it's just total
1: bullshit.
2: <laughs> it's bullshit right. bullshit all
0: right uh, yeah. that's what kept i don't know that's that's the saying that kept me sick and i didn't understand it's honestly what got me sober was the mm. realization that oh my god i'm affecting other people but but mm. up until that point i truly thought my family was all acting when they were acting when they were upset at me for my behavior i thought they were just doing it because they were, they read in a book somewhere that they were told they're supposed to be upset. I'm like, I don't get, why do you guys care? I'm just hurting myself until I realized that (laughs) how badly uh, substance use disorders really do affect the entire family system.
1: Have you, have you heard that, that term that like uh uh, self can't see self. So like when I'm trapped in the mini manifestations of self, like I'm, I'm under a delusion that I'm not hurting anyone. I'm I'm only hurting myself. Um, I'm actually blinded to like what's clearly right in front of me, which is like when I, you know, would talk to my family, like they would, they would always be asking, like there, there would always be a concern, like, you know, was this call going to come from like uh some sort of institution uh or a morgue or like, right? Like the the writing was on the wall. It was so apparent. But even when they say that, I'm like, this is the self can't see self like they're overreacting, <laughs>
2: right? Oh, I can convince myself in sobriety of anything still. Like I can convi- I can tell myself some kind of story and go down a rabbit hole and convince mm-hmm. myself. I have to, I have. That's why it's so important to have support system and a therapist and a sponsor and and just you know and different things for people to be my eyes and ears when I can't be for myself still.
1: Oh, I'm I'm all about the mentor uh, process, uh, uh, having a circle of mentors and you just did a great job of laying out, I think kind of like the baseline, like, uh, I like to have a, a committee that I can, um, that I can seek counsel with.
0: Yeah. You've mentioned that to me before. I think it's such a cool idea.
1: Yeah. I, Seeking I think counsel, Gotta yeah, seek
2: counsel,
1: Blake, Blake and I were talking about having mentors for different things, you know, business mentors. Totally. Uh, relational mentors financial mentors uh, uh really just a, across the board uh, uh, being open to receiving uh, learning from 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 others um, i love a, like
2: meeting someone and just like telling them you're my new mentor <laughs> just like <laughs> like didn't ask you like i just claimed you <laughs> well, and that's, Sorry, that, stuck that's with
1: a, me <laughs> that, that's an awesome example amanda of how I've started to forge healthy relationships in this like kind of new life that I've, uh, uh, this new purpose and this new path that I've been yes. on finding myself. Right.
2: Yes. And how you, how you, how it helps others in your life. I'd love to hear about some of that on your healing process and what you do now.
1: Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm like, uh, and Blake, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Buddy. No, no. I just, I just wanted to
0: say to you in regards to the self can't see self thing uh tell it to a mirror okay because mirrors are uh, exist okay Chris so, Jesus Christ okay, keep, keep going <laughs>
1: that's great um yeah okay so uh uh can you reframe the question Amanda
2: sorry sorry I was muted um you no know, so like you know the word we learned about like what it was like you know like when you were kind of going through this this disconnection and, and relational struggles and then you know your awareness and your shifting and, and the openness of the mentorship and, and the different solutions so like let's talk about the solution like what it what has shifted changed? what is it like today how do you implement that in your life how do you help others and your client base and, and your people in your life like share with us now what it looks like now
1: so so, so cool um I think for me, like I kind of just like caught fire and like a fiery passion for life again um, as I embarked in my recovery journey. And so I've been like a seeker. I've been like a sponge. I've been like uh, putting myself in positions to continue to to grow, um, to evoke a higher level of consciousness um, to become more aware of my actions and reactions. Um, and I, it's not like I'm saying I a lot, but the truth is, is like, I've sought that I've like looked to go back to school, to gain more education, to get credentials, to do trainings, um, putting myself in positions to learn more skills. Um, which in the past, I mean, I was like kind of dead in a lot of ways, like I wasn't really open to learning. And so that passion, that fiery passion for learning, um, developing um, has been uh, a, huge contrib- a huge contribution to um, to what it's looked like in in this kind of way in the solution-based stuff, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you're awake now.
1: I love that term, woke.
2: You're, you're woke.
1: i can sleep i can can sleepwalk in recovery too i can go back to sleep so i need
2: yeah no that can happen to all of us you know and that's like the self-honesty of uh, you know and i know you're really self-honest but like the self-honesty is like yes i'm a lot better than i used to be and i i do all these things to grow and heal and improve but yes i can slip right back into that and and not even see it
1: so, yeah, so true. So true. Uh, and, and I think that that evoking and developing like a greater state of consciousness and like my actions being aware of my actions and reactions have really been in service to me, Amanda. And like you and I have talked about this on a real personal level, like as I've gone through a divorce um, and establishing like this relational thing where it's not like running away from my, you know, the mother of my two beautiful sons. It's actually, um, finding the way to be present for her, um, being a good co-parent, being in relationship with someone, even if I'm not in a romantic relationship and like being cool with it and like enjoying it and having fun. And yeah. And you do it
2: so beautifully too. I remember like after, you know, spending some time with, with at your, you know, program and, and just seeing how the two of you interacted, like I left there emotional, you know, it just like gave me a lot of hope for my situation, which now I feel like I have very similar relationship now. And so just thank you for that because you you did it beautifully.
1: Oh, you're the best. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's, yeah. that's so important of how it is today, you know?
1: I like to say that Stephanie and I might not be married today, but we're still married through our kids. We're married through our work and we're married towards the idea and the belief system of, of treating each other well. Um, And I'm, I'm like eternally grateful for her in that way. And I'm grateful that I've been able to have that perspective shift too. So. Well, I'm, I'm
0: loving hearing a little bit of your, your perspective and you always you always are a very wise man I, I always enjoy hearing you how you put things in the imagery that you use it means a lot to me and really always resonates so uh we have a new little little prototype going on over here at next level we've developed something called the next level cards of progress and the points of these cards there's only one deck in existence at this point for at least for the next week or so before the other hundred
2: Thanks.
1: or so arrive Okay. Be okay. There
2: will be a hundred soon. So okay. to get a, you,
1: I want to be in the first wave of merch receivers. Okay.
0: You're, you're the yes. first one we're actually going to go over this with. So the idea of the Cards of Progress is to be used to help promote vulnerability, to increase conversation and to, to really deepen the level that we get to know each other and deepen connection. But it's also intended, it could be used alone as well for us Every morning, you shuffle the deck, you draw a card, and you, you answer a challenging question about yourself that, gets, that allows you to get to know yourself a little bit deeper and maybe some areas to work on. So that's why they're called the Cards of Progress. So mm-hmm. I've pre-shuffled this deck. I've pre-drawn three cards, labeled one, two, and three. Chris, as our guest, I want you to go first. Pick a number between one and three.
1: It's got to be three.
0: It's my lucky number, so I'll give that one to you. Love that. So your question is, name four areas of your life that you're grateful for today. A simple one. Ooh,
1: I oh, like that. Four areas of my life. That's easy. I can do a lot more than four. Um, so the, <laughs> I think the four that pop crop up for me first, um, wow, it's just, um, I'm going to go with family um and that means like my immediate family for my um uh, for my kids for their mom um and then like my sisters my brother my mom um the second one is definitely gonna be for this like uh this like uh this how did i how did i phrase it earlier um, this kind of like, uh, f- uh, finding process of like finding, you know, uh, a baseline for myself, for who I am and, and who I get to be in this world. Discovery. Um, discovery. Thank you. Uh, Healing journey. All that,
2: all that. Yes. Yes. Uh,
1: the third one, uh, will certainly be for the things that we take for granted. I mean, uh, uh, like my, like my health, um, <laughs> Like the ability to engage in a lot of fun activities and be uh, outdoors and do a lot of fun, um, have like, you know, my uh, mobility and my, all my mental faculties intact for the most part, don't judge me, Blake. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then, and then lastly for my community, uh, you know, for people like uh, Blake and Amanda who, 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 Challenge me to think deeply. Who uh, support me professionally? Who are open hearts and friends? And you know the greater community outside of people here on this podcast that um, are near and dear to my heart.
0: That was I love great. it. I, I love that you didn't just list off a few things and you actually went into detail on it. That's what I was hoping yeah. for, and that's the that's the point of the cards. It's really to go a little bit deeper than the surface. So oh, thank beautiful. you for that, Amanda. One or two, two. Ooh, let's okay. go. Ooh. If you had a chance to go into your past and change something or have a peek into your future, which would you choose and why? Ooh.
2: I mean, the first, I'll just the deep, to be deft and vulnerable. The first thing that comes to mind of like what I would change but it would, cha- it would change my trajectory, would be like how I was as a mom, the first 18 months of Merrick's life and my addiction. That's something like I, re- I forever regret. Um, yeah. However, I, I do know that I, you know having that experience and being able to be honest about that really helps me to relate and connect to other moms and other parents who you know have the guilt and shame of how they treated their ch- children and their addiction. Mm. Um, you know, but it did, it did change my connection with my child for the first few years of his life. But like now, because it was, he was so young, it, we've had so much healing that it's, it's almost as if it's as if it never happened. Like he doesn't remember it. He doesn't know it. Um, but it was really hard. And if I could change that without changing, you know, what I've learned fr- from it, I would change that.
0: Hmm. Well, that's it. A- that's a super deep answer. Thank you.
1: Really beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda.
0: All right. So card number one is, ooh, geez, what is the difference between settling and accepting? What are you settling for? What have you accepted in order to make progress? Oh, that is a rough one. Um, <laughs>
2: That's a rough one. I'm so glad I didn't pick that one.
0: What is the difference between settling and accepting? I think settling um, is where you are allowing something to occur in your life uh, without resisting it that is uh, negatively charged with your core values and, and beliefs, but you're allowing it to remain in your life. Accepting um, is recognizing something that's out of your control and then determining a plan of action, in my opinion, to, to how to uh, accept that fact that something's out of your control and then how to, how to work around it. So what am I settling for? Um, oh, man. What am I settling for? <laughs> that's a really hard question.
1: You probably have some good content on this one yeah
0: maybe um what am i settling for well you know this is really super hard question i I'm, this is like gonna hard to answer on the spot almost i i could tell you what have i accepted in order to make progress um, I've accepted that uh, I've accepted that there's certain things that are going to go on within my house. Um, and I literally mean the physical house structure that I cannot control. And as opposed to getting upset about it, cause there's just been nonstop. It feels like I, we bought a lemon of a house, um, as opposed to really, fighting against them and being upset about it. There's really no point. We just have to figure out a way to, to move forward and have these things fixed and understand this is part of homeownership. Um, but what am I settling for? I I don't know. I honestly, I can't answer that question right now. I I don't, I don't know that I'm settling for anything right now. Um, yeah.
2: Sweet. Yeah. That's a pretty deep one. I mean, I think that Maybe if it does come up, you could talk about it on episode 36. Does yeah, I didn't mean to take such a long
0: time to answer that. that was no, just well, that's,
2: that's, that, that hits you hard because that makes you have to think really deeply, right? I just went with the first thing that like pops in my head and my heart, um, which is like the last thing I like talking about. <laughs>
1: which- I think, I think with that question, Blake, it could be like one of those things, like, what are the, what are, what are the ways that I like settle internally? Like, is there, is there like a place where I, where I just, I just not accept because that's the second part, but just like, um, and maybe like, it's like, like maybe the word complacent comes up, like settling is like, oh, that's the way it is, you know?
0: Then maybe I, what I'll say then is I think I'm settling
1: in terms of,
0: um, I, I could do a whole lot better in connecting w- with the spiritual side of, of life. And I think I'm settling by saying, maybe I'm just not that spiritual of a person and settling mm-hmm. as opposed to really making a, a concerted daily effort uh, at connecting more with the spiritual side. I, and I, the truth is that I want to, but I also want, um, to stay in my comfort zone and lie to myself and tell me that I'm not a spiritual person.
1: I think, he, I think you just access gold right there, buddy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think my very literal mind sometimes needs, uh, <laughs> needs someone else to, to reword things, even
1: though I'm yeah, the one sh- who wrote. Sh- sh-
0: sh-
2: I shift
1: wrote the context. Questions. Oh, you <laughs> wrote
2: the questions. <laughs> yeah. You
1: stumped yourself.
2: I love that. that makes it even better. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so thank you so much, Chris, for like you said at the beginning, your time, your energy, your heart. I knew you'd bring all that to the table. And, and I'm sure people hearing this will, will connect with you. And you just have so much to offer this world that shouldn't be kept just in Palm Beach gardens. It should be put out here to the, the cloud, the universe.
1: Uh, we'll get it. We'll get it on, uh, on the VR soon enough, Blake. Is that, can, can we make that happen? I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, all right. And I and I know you're not gonna settle, so I might. No. Blake goes <laughs> after
2: Blake goes Blake goes after stuff. He really does. This is I, factual.
1: I, I, Blake apps is a go-getter. Um, Blake yeah, you guys after you, stuff. Uh, I appreciate uh uh the invitation to, to share this time with you guys. It's been really cool. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, awesome. And so um Chris, how can people find you or learn about resilience? Um, like how do people Find you if they're listening and like, oh, I want to like learn more about this guy or learn more about resilience recovery.
1: Yeah. Well, come and uh, check us out on Resilience Recovery. That's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-C-E-Recovery And yeah, um, you can access me through our website. You can find me uh on all social media platforms, um, or just uh slide next level a direct message and let them know you're looking for me because they got all my hookups
2: yes the resilience recovery on social media as well and chris martinez on um on different outlets on social media too chris i'm laughing at we have all your hookups
0: well yeah. <laughs> that is a very very uh, cool way to say it
2: <laughs> all your connects
0: <laughs> that is a, that is the most like 90s thing i've ever heard we got all my hookups you can call me on my th- landline i got the hookups
2: yeah Be- uh, page me Code yeah, page, page me, me. later Hit me up on my three way, on my two, what was it? Side by, what was it called? The little sidekick Motorola two way pager.
1: No, where (laughs) are you at? The the Boost Mobile. (laughs) Uh, The Nextel. The Nextel.
2: Oh my God. Bringing it way back. Um, (laughs) And so you can also find our podcasts on all uh, podcast platforms, thanks to Blake and his talents. you can find Overcoming Adversity Podcast on Instagram. You can find Amanda Marino and Blake Cohen on all social media outlets, Next Level Recovery Associates on all outlets. And thank you so much for your time and energy and, and sharing this space with us today.
1: You guys rock. Have a good one. I want to break free.